Well, I'm glad to be with you guys. This is going to be fun, I hope. Maybe not. Uh, we'll see. Uh, how was the trip up? Everybody make it okay? No, no people are missing right now that we're going to find on the mountain tomorrow morning. So uh, good, I'll be encouraged. Well, our crew last week, honestly, as we got together, one of the things they kept saying was, where's Chico? And I said, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, think it, I think it's north of here. And they go, no, the people. And I said, yeah, 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 I know. I know what you're saying. I said, honestly, uh, they couldn't do it. They couldn't make it this year. They screwed it up, you know, and uh, not, not you guys, California. I mean, they, they do this every so often. Now, CBU, I understand, because they've got to make it a certain distance from Easter so they can let them off from everything. But, you know, I mean, there's, there's no Christian influence uh, there making decisions for Chico. So I don't really get that. You know, I'm kind of like, what the heck, you know, but it's one of those things. So Anyway, I was told at dinner that this conference is basically going to be on wisdom. Um, so <laughs> I'll be bringing up the part that is antithesis of that this first part of the week. And then uh, Randy will come in and clean everything up and make it all good. So if you have things that are going on this week and you think, man, I don't agree with that. Well, hold on. He'll be in and he'll straighten it all out. And then you'll feel better about it. And it'll, it'll be good. So uh, what I want to do in our time together. Well, let me tell you this. Conferences, I don't know. Is it... How many of you that, like, this is your first time to Hume Lake? You many? We have, oh, hey. Well, hot dogs. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but conferences like this have been extremely significant in my life. In fact, over the years, God has used them in a number of ways. I have, um, I mean, I could tell you a lot of stories. I'll tell you some of those later, maybe. But um, I know that actually one of the reasons I think I'm in California, I grew out of a conference. I was up at uh, Glen Airy with a guy um, named Mike Thompson, who was a guy who'd built a lot into me. And we're sitting up at Dawson Trotman's grave one day, and he says, we're, we just walk up there, and we get up there, you know, and you huff and puff and get all the way up the hill, and you stand up there, and you're looking at this grave, and he goes, well, you think you could drop down anywhere in the United States and have a ministry? I said, uh, I don't know. He goes, huh. Well, if not, I wonder why. <laughs> oh, well. And he starts walking back down the hill. And I'm going, what, 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 what? what? And I mean, that was my takeaway from that conference. I mean, I walked out of that conference for the next year and a half. I thought, if I couldn't drop down anywhere and have a ministry, why not? Why not? What would be holding me up? What would be keeping me from having a ministry? Well, one of the things I thought about that, I thought, you know, I think I would need to be better at evangelism. I think that that's what I need to do. So I started working on evangelism. Now, the strange thing is I've taught evangelism at now half of our Southern Baptist seminaries in the world, you know, because it was just a matter of, you know, as God began to work in my life and I began to grow in that area, that actually became a strength instead of a liability. And so, you know, at the conference, one of the things I would encourage you to do is this. While you're here this week, ask God, God, what is one thing? What is one thing you want me to take away? Now, you may take away two or three. And that's okay. You don't get penalized for that. But, you know, ask God, what is one thing? that you would want me to take from here that I could begin to work on this, this uh, coming week. So let me tell you what I'm going to be doing uh, in my time. In, in the time that we have together, I'm going to be talking to you a little bit tonight about some lessons I learned uh, in college and uh, letting you know a little bit more of my story and um, kind of, you know, so you can get to know me for those of you that don't. And um, then uh, tomorrow, we're going to look at, in the morning time, we're going to look at establishing. How do you go about doing that? How do you go about helping someone get established in a walk with God? 
Then uh, tomorrow evening, we're going to look at equipping. How do you actually help someone learn how to reproduce their lives in the lives of others all over the world? And then on Tuesday, we're going to look at how do you persevere? Because it's one thing to be jacked up and excited when you're 19 years old. I mean, you know, I mean, everything's exciting when you're 19 years old. You know, girls, yes. Uh, you know, I mean, you're just, you know, you're just excited about everything that happens, you know. And I mean, it doesn't matter. But, you know, when you get to be um, 30, you're not as amused. Uh, at, at 50, you're thinking, hmm, you know. And, and when you pass 60 and go beyond, if it's not something that is a bedrock conviction of yours, you won't continue. I'll just tell you that right now. Because I've seen a whole lot of folks just quietly step aside and they just stop doing things and for many of them it's not like they're bad people it's not like you know oh they're just gosh what happened to them it's just that you know what it, it wasn't really a conviction it wasn't really something that they thought you know what no matter what this is what I'm about and so we're going to talk a little bit about that on Tuesday morning hopefully that'll be helpful and be something for you well let me tell you a little bit about myself growing up um, I, I grew up in a, uh, in a home we were uh, decidedly non-Christian. In fact, uh, I don't remember. I remember going to church one time. And we walked in, and we were there for a little while, and then uh, my father said we were leaving because he found out you couldn't smoke in church. And so we started, <laughs> I remember thinking, yeah, that's kind of narrow-minded. What's up with that? You know what I mean? And uh, so we left, and that was my last time in church until my teenage years, you know, and I did go one, uh, that's not fully true. I did go one other time. Uh, I got invited to come to, um, I got invited to come to a vacation Bible school thing one summer. And I thought to myself, well, you know, okay, you know, get you out of the house. And they had food. And so I thought, well, that seemed good, you know, out of the house and food, put those two together. And so I went, I wasn't real sure I wanted to go because my thought was, yeah, these are the people my dad doesn't really care for and stuff. And I'm not sure I want to go, but I thought I'll go. And so the very first day, they said, all right, here's what we're going to do. Now, we're going to be looking at the book of Luke for our time together. And, you know, if you will take and memorize verses out of the book of Luke, whoever has the most verses memorized by the end of the week, they can win a Bible. And I thought, oh, wow. Now, I never stopped to ask, what do I want a Bible for? Uh, you know, I mean, for me, I was just, you know, uh, a competitive person. And I thought, all right, this is great. I mean, and I go home and I thought, where's, where is Luke? Uh, you know, I didn't even know where that was, you know. And so I borrowed a Bible from uh, uh, one of, it was a Bible that my older brother had left there when he'd left. And so I didn't know where, where it was. I opened this thing up and I found Luke finally. I went through, look, had to look a couple of times. But I found it. And man, I thought, I am going to memorize some verses. So we cruise along, we get to Friday. And so Friday we're there, and I'm thinking, oh man, I hope this is going to be okay. And I'm standing there, you know, and they said, all right, everybody that has memorized as many as, you know, three verses, stand up. So there's a whole group of us stand up, and I'm like, oh, and I'm kind of nervous. And they go, if you've memorized four verses, keep standing. I'm thinking, that's kind of a slow number to start with. You know, and they go to four, and everybody sits down except for me and this other girl. And I thought, oh, no. And uh, we kind of sit there, and they go, five. And she sits down. 
and I'm kind of thinking, why did I, I mean, I had memorized like 16 verses, and, I, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what the heck? What did I do that for? Five would have won it. But it also did something else for me. It reinforced in my mind, I thought, that's just what I thought about Christians. You know what? They don't compete. They don't compete. They don't even know anything about that. You know what they do? They just kind of sit around, show up. I mean, even a girl beat them all. Good night, you know. And I, I, I was sitting there, no offense, girls. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I was sitting there thinking that. I thought, what is, what is I, you know, I could, never, I could never do that. Well, then, fast forward, I get to high school, and uh, there, uh, one of the guys on the wrestling team uh, with me, he, um, he, had, uh, he was kind of a wild man. And one day, he comes to practice, and he's acting like calm in practice. You know, he's not throwing anything or going nuts. And I said, Leonard, what happened to you? And he goes, I became a Christian. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I thought, there goes the season, you know, because I just knew he was going to go out there on the mat and go, no, no, pin me, you know, and just <laughs> lay back, you know, and I thought, oh, this is going to be horrible. You know, I, I can see it. But he was tough. I mean, he was really tough. And so he invited me to church and I started going and um, eventually stumbled into the kingdom, you know, and uh, I began to figure out for the first time. For the longest time, I thought, you know, well, I'm, you know, I'm probably, I'm probably, you know, okay. I mean, you know, I thought God, God kind of graded on a curve or something. And so I'm there one night, and this guy's speaking, and he talks about, <clears throat> he says, now some of you probably think that if you uh, just are a good guy, that you're probably going to be okay with God and get in. I thought, well, that's not right. And he goes, but that's not right. And I'm like, yeah. And then he goes, but others of you, you think if you believe some facts about Jesus and then the good outweighs the bad, you're going to be okay. And I thought, there you go. And he goes, but that's not right. And I thought, that's not right? And then he talked about Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. And I remember thinking that night, wow, what, where does that place me? And he said, what you need to do is you need to simply transfer your trust from anything you're doing to what Jesus already did for you. He says, just like sitting in a chair. You know, you go to sit in a chair, if you're just kind of holding onto the chair going, oh, I really trust this chair. No, no, I really do. He said, how you really show that is when you finally sit down and you're allowing the chair to be the only thing holding you. And I sat there and thought about that that night. I thought, you know, I've never done that. And so I did that very night. And I remember, boy, you know, it was, it was really a difference because my identity up until that point had been built on two things, athletics and academics. And that was it. You know, and I mean, it was like, you know, if I was doing really good in those areas, then life was really good. And if I wasn't, life was horrible. But suddenly, suddenly my whole life began to change. And I began to ask myself, wow, what do I do next? And I remember going back, and I, I went back to church the next week, and I said, uh, hey, so I became a Christian, so what do you do? And they go, what? I go, what do you do? What do you do? I mean, like, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. What do we do? And they go, um, well, you ought to go to church. I said, I'm here. Uh, what, what do we do? What, what do we do? And they go, um, um, pray and read your Bible. And I thought, 
okay. I thought, well, um, I pray before meals. I guess that covers that. Um, and I thought, read my Bible. You know, I tried that, but I keep getting stuck in about the fourth chapter thinking, where'd all these people come from? And I thought, and I, thought I don't get it, you know. I, I just keep getting confused, and every time I ask somebody, they go, uh, don't, no, let's not worry about that. I'm going, but, but I got a question. You know, and, uh, you know, so I, I, I was just, conf- and that's how I went to college. I walk into college just thinking, you know what, there really aren't answers. You know, you, I guess you can come into a relationship, but there's probably not answers because nobody seems to come up with any. And not only does nobody seem to come up with any, but if you look at some of these people, their lives, their lives when they're in church and they're around things like that seem one way, and then their lives when they're away seem a totally different way. And I I was really kind of disillusioned when I got to college. I remember getting to college and thinking, well, you know, I'm going to try to figure this out. I sure hope. I sure hope there's an answer here. I thought, man, I I would really love to know if there's something more to this Christian life than what I've experienced so far. So I get there, and one of the very first lessons I learned, and this is what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about four significant lessons I learned, and then one kind of perspective thing that brought it all together. So one of the very first lessons I learned is there is a difference between making decisions and managing decisions. There's a difference between making decisions and managing decisions. Um, You know, we often think that we've done quite a bit when we make a decision. Or we think someone else has done quite a bit. You know, somebody makes a decision, everybody goes, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. That is wonderful, they made a decision. And I think, "Mm, yeah, I'm not going to jump up and down yet. And the reason I don't is because I've worked with enough people and I've known myself. You know, I remember when I first made a decision, then a little bit later, I hadn't really grown because I didn't know how to grow. And all of a sudden, somebody else was speaking, and I thought, yeah, I feel still bad in some ways, you know. And so I thought, I probably need to, I probably need to make a decision again. And then, you know, a few months later, I thought, I probably need to make a decision again. And then somebody else said something else. I thought, why? Well, and they said, well, you can't, you know, you can't do that, you know, uh, you're just talking about rededication. I thought, okay, so I wore out rededication. I mean, you know, better part of six months. I mean, I think I rededicated my life about six times trying to figure this whole thing out. Keep thinking, maybe something's going to happen different. You know, maybe I'll, you know, kind of be a groundhog day. I'll wake up and this time it'll be different or something. You know, I didn't know what to think. You know, I I kept thinking something was going to happen. What I didn't understand was there's a big difference between making a decision and managing a decision. See, making a decision, that's 10%. Managing it, that's 90%. So it's not enough to just make a good decision. You have to actually know how to manage it. Decision managing, when you're thinking about managing a decision, what really determines how that goes are choices. The choices you make. Now, I, I have a little thing I want you to look at, a little illustration to hopefully give you a picture of what I mean by that. But, you know, this picture right here, this is kind of your life. If you look up there, the blue part, you know, that's your life. Right over here, this is the beginning. It's kind of a short life. You can see it's not real long. You come over here, this is the end. Now, that's your life. Now, here's the thing that you find. Much of the time when we're thinking about our lives or we're thinking about uh, how things go, we really think that our circumstances 
are what determine our life. We really begin to think, oh, you know what, I was born into this home, I was born into this family, you know, I was this color, I was, uh, you know, this socioeconomic, I was this, I was that. We think all of these things and we think that's what determines my life. Well, when you're three days old, that's true, okay? When you are first born, circumstances, they determine your life big time. But here's what you find. The further you go in life, when you begin to see how things, further, the more and more you go, less and less do circumstances determine anything about your life. What begins to grow and what makes all the difference in the world is choices. The choices you make. And what you'll find is this. You may not always get what you want, but you will most always get what you choose. And you have to learn to make wise choices, to manage the very decisions that you're making. So, you know, you're here this week. That was a choice. You know, you've chosen to plug in uh, to challenge. That's a choice. You've chosen to learn from other people that are further ahead than you. That is a choice. And you continue to stack up good choices. What you'll begin to find is you are managing a decision that you've made very well. But you have to learn to do that. So that was the first lesson I had to learn. The second lesson I learned was this, that the prior was the priority of God for my life. The priority of God for my life. When I first went to school, what do you think everyone told me the priority of God for my life was? Hmm? Grades, that's right, class. Isn't that what your parents told you? You're here for school. And you're like, all right. And you, you, know, you go off. And you know what? I had that same thought. I mean, I got to school and I thought, you know, I, like I said, my background was academics. You know, they have some people that are dumb jocks. I was a smart jock. I was one of those kind of guys that made straight A's and still did well in athletics. And so, you know, for me, when I got to school, I just kind of thought that was going to continue. That's, that's what it was all about. And I really thought that's where a lot of my identity was. And I began to do that. But then in my second week of school, this guy comes up to me. It's Friday afternoon. He goes, um, what are you doing this weekend? I said, uh, yeah, I don't know. What are you doing? He said, I'm going on a retreat. I go, what's that? He goes, oh, it's this uh, thing. He said, we're going to go uh, with this group. It's called the, you know, the BSU. And they're going to go on this retreat. And, uh, you know, we're going to go down here to this camp, camp out and stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. I said, oh, he goes, you want to go? I said, uh, when, when are you going? He goes, 30 minutes. I said, 30 minutes? I thought, wow, choices need to be made. And so I, I was like, I'm in. And so, you know, I was a college student. I was a freshman. I didn't know. So, I mean, I, I just hop in and I go on this retreat. And let me tell you what, while that retreat caught me totally by surprise, oh, no, no. God had that planned for a long time. And I show up on this retreat, and I meet this guy named Paul Taylor. And he is sharing about a concept that I had never heard about, quiet time. I mean, I never heard about a quiet time. And this guy's talking about it. He's talking about how you can spend time with God, and you can get to know him every single day. And I thought, get out of here. Are you serious? And he was telling me about this, and I thought, man, this is amazing. And, and so I began to do that. And I, I learned from that, and I was just, boy, taking notes like crazy, filling up this thing. And I'm looking around at these other people. They're kind of sitting there going, and I thought, what 
are you doing? Do you hear what he's saying? My gosh. And so I get back to school, and when I get back to school, I thought, I have, I have got to try this out. And so, man, I started getting up and spending time with God. And I was amazed. I mean, I began to get to know him. And then, like, one of the very first books I started reading him was Mark. And I ran across Mark uh, 3.14. And in Mark 3.14, it says, Jesus appointed 12 so that they would be with him and he could send them out to preach. His primary call upon their life was that they would be with him. They would get to know him. And when I looked at that, I thought, oh my gosh, we get to do the same thing now. I wonder if they called it quiet time back then. They probably didn't. But, you know, I was looking at that. I thought, man, that is amazing. And so I began to do that. And, and I, you know, would do well and then not do well and do well and then not do as well. And finally, over the summer, as I, I got to the summer, I began to kind of, you know, get a little bit more of a rhythm. And as I was going back into the school year, I thought, I've got to really make a decision. I have got to figure this out. And so what I decided was, I am going to get up and um, do this before class every day. That's it. No exceptions. And I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And then I always took early classes. Every class I took started, well, not every class, but every day my classes started at 8 o'clock. So I thought, okay, i got to get up early. And I had breakfast at 7, so I definitely couldn't go at 7 because I have to go eat breakfast because, you know, after all. Uh, so, I mean, you know, so I'm sitting there, you know, I'm thinking, okay, so it's got to be before 7, but then you've got to get cleaned up. And so I thought, okay, you know, it knocks out. I can't be, you know, from 6.30 on. So I thought, okay, so it's got to be sometime before 6.30. So I thought, okay, um, 5.30. I guess 5.30 is it. And so I thought, I don't think anyone in the dorm gets up at 5.30. I didn't know because I'd never gotten up at 5.30. You know? And so I thought, well, you know, I thought, oh, well, there will be one. And I did. And outside of where our dorm was, there was this kind of an old pen that was about a block away that was where they used to keep this bison. And it was just this rock pen that was kind of, you know, had a roof on it, kind of, you know, around... And there was a street light that was right there that shined down into this building. So every morning, 5.30, I trotted my little self right out there, sat down, and met with God. And I'll tell you what, before long, that building became one of these places. It was like, I love this building. <laughs> it became like this sacred place to me because I would go there every day. And it was like, you know, every day I would think, I wonder what he has today. I wonder what he wants to talk about today. And, you know, and I would get there to this building and I began to learn the priority of God for my life is not academics. It's him. Now, as a result of him being the priority for my life, I ought to do really well in school. I should do that to honor him. I should study because he's placed me here. But the priority of my life is not school. It's him. I want to know him. And so that was the second lesson I began to learn. The third was just the vital importance of enduring relationships. The vital importance of enduring relationships. Now, when I landed there at school, I was still wanting to figure out this whole thing about, you know, is there really people in the world who walk with God 
And if so, who are they and how do they do it? And I met this guy like in my second week as I was walking around there. He was one of the guys on the retreat too. It was this guy named Jim. And there was a whole cluster of guys around Jim. Now, Jim and I were very antithetical, okay? We were very different. Jim was a very quiet guy. I've never been quiet. Um, I like people to be quiet so I can talk. But I mean, you know, I've never been a quiet person. And he was very quiet. I mean, like, and Jim was never a person that was uh, excited. I mean, like you'd say, hey, Jim, this happened right here. It's amazing. You tell him, he'd go, hmm. And you're like, oh. And I would just walk away. And, you know, Jim was not a funny person. I would tell him jokes, and he would go, hmm. <laughs> and he would smile and nod. And, and uh, you know, I mean, he was not athletic. Athletics for him was like checkers, you know, and stuff like that. And so... <laughs> You know, I mean, he, he wasn't that, you know, he wasn't a real big guy. He was kind of, you know, a real skinny guy. He had like one stripe on his pajamas. And, and I, I just, you know, I got over there and I remember, I remember thinking to myself, you know, one day I'm walking around on this football field that was down the way from our dorm. And I'm walking around this football field, this track area. And as I'm walking on this track area, I remember saying to God, now God, um, if I have to be like that to walk with you, I will. But if I do, why did you make me this way? Honestly, I don't get it. But, I mean, honestly, I'm, as I know my heart before you, if I have to become boring and quiet to walk with you, I'll become boring and quiet. But I don't understand it. Well, fortunately for me, the next week, I met this guy named Mike Thompson. Now, Many of you uh, probably don't know Mike. Uh, some of you do. Mike is a great guy. I know Paul knows Mike. Others know Mike. Mike, Mike is a guy. Uh, he was a college minister then. And um, Mike was the kind of guy that, you know, I mean, he was big, you know, and I was big. And, you know, and, you know he was athletic and I was athletic, you know, and, and he, was, uh, he was funny and I was funnier. And, and we, just, we, we just had a fun time together. I mean, we would get around each other and it was a hoot. And... Through him, I began to figure out, oh my gosh, I can really walk with God and be me. I don't have to be somebody else. I can be me and walk with God. The difference between Mike and I was he was godly. I wasn't anywhere close. But he began to spend time with me. And we'll talk more about that later. But I began to develop some friends there. And one of the things you find is, you cannot walk through the Christian life and accomplish it by yourself. In fact, Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, Two are better than one, for they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his brother. But woe to him who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Now, I'm not exactly sure what woe means, but I think it means woe. You know, I mean, just, you know, not good. And so when the author of Ecclesiastes wrote that, what he's trying to tell us is this. You can't get from where you are to where you want to be without help from others. You can't get there. You need others to build into your life. So, you know, you don't walk with God alone. You have to have friends. That's why in, in Proverbs 13, 20, it says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. One of the things I began to figure out was this. You know, when you pick your friends, you pick your future. 
you know, you began to look and see, you know, uh, okay, who are the people I'm hanging out with? That, that hit home for me big time about two months into school because there were this one group of guys that were, you know, Christian in name. And they were pretty, uh, they were former athletes and stuff too, and they were all hanging out, and they were the cool guys, you know. And so I hung out with these guys a lot. And then there were these other three guys that they were, they were pretty cool too. I mean, one of them was pretty quiet, one of them was pretty small. And then the other one was on the basketball team. They were, they were pretty cool. But, you know, one day, I'm, I mean, I kind of ran half my time with these guys and half my time with these. Now, I knew this crew over here that were smaller and stuff like that and, and some of them a little quieter and stuff. But I knew these guys, they really have a heart for God. And I knew these guys over here had a heart to do what they wanted to do and kind of uh, baptize it, make it look like it's God. And so one day the thing comes up and these guys say, hey, you want to go do this? And these guys go, oh, no, you need to come with us and do this. And I'm like, oh. And as clear as day, I could see God saying, you have a choice to make. And I thought, ooh. And I looked at that and I looked at these guys and all of the cool that oozed off of them. And I looked over at these guys and I thought, choices matter. And I walked over here and I said, see ya. And you know what? Those guys remain great friends in my life 40 years later. These are guys that honestly, they continue to walk with God to this day. They continue to make a difference all over the place. These other guys, they're still kind of putzing around. I mean, they were putzing around in college. They're still putzing around 40 years later. And I looked and I think, what a difference. What a difference a choice made. But the choice was, you know, beginning to realize, okay, you need to walk with people who will really help you to walk with God. Now, what I would tell you is this. One of the reasons you need friends, one of your biggest things you need in your life, one of the greatest needs of your life is not so much to know more, but to be known more. You need to be known fully by people that are around you. And if you will begin to live your life in such a way where you really allow others to know you, one of the differences that's going to happen there is this. They're going to be able to speak truth into your life. They're going to be able to take your life that they clearly see and hold it up against a template of Scripture and say, hey, have you noticed this? This may be an area you want to look at. Or for them to be able to look at you and say, hey, you know what? You might want to rethink that. I mean, one of the great things that has been true in my life over the, over the past 40 years is that there have been some guys who were willing to say, hey, <laughs> what, what are you doing with this right here? And I'd say, yeah, I, I have no reason. I, I have, you know, I've got nothing. And they'd say, well, probably ought to change that. And I'd be like, yeah. In fact, there's a few of them. Every time they would come over, they'd say, we ought to talk. I'd say, ah. But I mean, you know, I learned, I learned a phrase here uh, um, about two weeks ago. This guy was talking about how when you get feedback from people, and he says, a new phrase you ought to teach yourself is not, ouch, that hurts, but ouch, that helps. And I thought, boy, that's true. You know, so sometimes when those guys would say, hey, I want to talk to you, you know, I mean, I, I would have this feeling, eh. But on the other hand, I think, this is going to help, you know. 
I just didn't have that phrase in. I wished I would have. You know, I could have told myself, ouch, that helps. Um, the fourth thing, the fourth thing I learned was that purpose in life is not decided. It's discovered. You know, I, I had this idea that, you know, I really wanted to do something noble or something as I began to walk with God. And I thought, I need to decide some great purpose in my life that God wants me to be about. And so I kept thinking about that. Now, up until that point, what I thought was I was probably going to go into coaching or something like that because of just my background and stuff. And I, what I thought was, you know what? I will end up coaching the St. Louis Cardinals. We will win the World Series. And after we win the World Series, I will say something like, you know, I want to thank Jesus. And I thought, you know, I was going to be the original Tim Tebow. And so I was going to just do something like that. You know, I thought this will be great. And, you know, that'll be noble. And that'll be my purpose is to win World Series games and, and uh, to thank Jesus. And about my sophomore year, Mike, one night, we were having a meeting, kind of a weekly meeting. And Mike said, uh, hey, I've got this guy coming to this meeting. And I said, oh, okay, who is this guy? He said, well, he's a guy who built a lot into me in college. And I said, what's his name? He said, Max Barnett. And I said, Max Barnett. He said, yeah. I said, wow, I've never met him. And he said, yeah. He said, well, you're going to hear him tonight. I said, well, okay, okay. So, I mean, I show up, and I'm sitting over here on this row, you know, and I'm sitting on the front row. I'm wanting to hear who this guy is. And I'm expecting some John Wayne kind of a guy, you know, to step through the door and kind of yo and just kind of walk on in there, you know, and swagger in and talk to us. And I'm just like, boy. And there's a guy sitting next to me and I'm telling him how I thought, boy, I said, I'm looking forward to tonight. And he goes, that's good. And I said, yeah, I said, I, I'm wanting to hear this. And he said, well, that's good. And, and we're sitting here. And so Mike gets up and he gets through introducing this guy and this guy gets up. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious sideways with his tongue stick out. He looks like a zipper. I mean, he is so skinny. I, I sit there and I thought to myself, this cannot be the man. This cannot be him. It is. He gets up, he walks up to the front, and for the next 40 minutes, he begins to share his testimony. And I sat there and just, it was called Possibilities of a Life. And I sat there and I was just like, wow. Wow. I mean, I, I, mean I, I don't think I slept hardly at all that night. I mean, I just remember going back and just running over what he had said again and again in my head and just thinking, wow, could it be, God, that you could really use people like that? Is that possible? I thought, wow. Now, if, if you've never had a chance to hear that, let me, let me encourage you. There's a, there's a website called discipleshiplibrary.com. You could go on there and look up Possibilities of a Life by Max Barnett. You could hear that message. But I heard that that night, and I remember sitting there thinking to myself, wow. And that was in September. And for about the next two months, that just kept running through my mind. Then I went to a conference up in Wichita, Kansas, and they said, we're going to have this conference over Christmas break, and you know, you can come up here for a week. And I remember thinking, well, you know, it'll be a chance to get out of the house for a week. Sure, I'll do that. And so I went up there to uh, Wichita. And while I was up there, I, I met several guys. I met this guy named Leroy Imes, and I met another guy named Gene War. And they were there, and they were speaking basically the whole week. And 
I was listening, and then Max came up, and he spoke too, and, and a couple of other guys. And I remember I walked out of that conference, and I came back. And about a week before that, someone had handed me a book called Dawes. And I looked at it, you know, and it looks kind of like Jaws or something, you know, Dawes, you know. It has a picture of water and stuff. And, hmm. and so, you know, I kind of wondered about that, you know. But I took that book, and I, came, and I started reading that. And it was the story of Dawson Trotman the founder of the Navigators. And one of the questions he kept asking is, you know, throughout the book is, where's your man? Where's your woman? Who is it that you are passing things on to? And those three things together, I remember sitting down one day and thinking, you know, I really don't care what everyone else is going to do. I really don't care what they give their life to. I know exactly what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to give the rest of my life to making disciples. And then, as I began to look in God's Word in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, I see Jesus, and he pulls the disciples aside, and he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. And actually, the word there, it's a little word, tanta ethne in the Greek. It means of all the people groups. He says, Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And as I read that right there, I thought for the first time, we don't have to decide our purpose. God's already told us. Our purpose is to make disciples. That is what we're to be about. That's crystal clear. And so as I looked at, we'll talk some more about that verse tomorrow, but as I looked at that, I thought that is crystal clear. That's what we're supposed to do. Well, I get back to school that fall. That was in the spring. I'm thinking about that all through the spring semester. I start praying over the summer. God, would you, would you really give me some guys to work with? And I get back to school, and God brings five guys around. And one of them, the first one walked up and said, uh, I mean, I'd been in school for about a week. And this guy walks up, and he was a, he was a big guy, and he comes up and he goes, Hey, um, so do you have any, like, Bible study going or anything? I said, yes. <laughs> and he goes, oh, when? I said, when are you available? And he's like, oh, I am the Bible study. Yes, you are the Bible study. You know, so, uh, and he joined. He said, can I bring my roommate? Yes, you can. And so he began to bring some guys. Well, I met with those five guys for the next two years. And I'll tell you what, those guys now, I mean, one of them's a pastor of a big church down in Texas. You know, one of them's a a basketball coach, they, they beat Duke a couple of years ago. You know, uh, uh, another one, you know, he's in Afghanistan right now. Another one is uh, in business in Oklahoma. Another one's in business in Colorado. But all of them walking with God. All of them continuing to make a difference today. And I began to figure out, you know, God really wants to use even somebody like me. I mean, my gosh, if he can use me, he can use anybody. You know, and so I began to look at it, but I found one other lesson that kind of tied all those together for me, and that was because I had this idea that if I just had this desire, and I was just fired up about this, that surely that was going to do it. You know, I mean, I, I, I really desired to know God, and I really desired to be used by Him, and I really desired for Him to, but you know what I kept finding? I would have seasons where it went like, wow, oh, 
wow. And I would think, what is this? You know, I mean, I, I'm not really into roller coasters. You know, I mean, my life normally is with, good enough without roller coasters. And so I'm like, you know, I don't really need that. But I thought, why is that like that? And then I ran across this verse, a little verse in Proverbs 13:4. It says, the soul of the sluggard desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent will be made fat. And you know what I, I found out for that day? Desire plus diligence equals progress. It's not enough to just desire to walk with God. It's not enough to just desire to be used by God. You have to be diligent to do the things you need to do. You have to be diligent to make the choices you need to make. You have to be diligent. And if you will marry diligence with desire, you can make real progress. All of you probably brought lots of different things into college. You know, some of you brought some really good things. Some of you brought some, you know, kind of eh, crazy things into college. It's not so much what you bring into college that matters. It's what you leave with. And so what I would encourage you is, as you are processing the things you're learning, you know, take them in, hold on to the things that are really going to shape your life and make a difference. And leave school with those because as you do, what you'll find is God can use your life to really impact the lives of a lot of other folks around the world. All you have to do is walk with him. We'll talk some more about how you do that tomorrow. So let's take a minute, let's pray, and we'll turn it back over to the band. Father, thank you. Thank you for the privilege we have of uh, being called your children. Thank you for the privilege we have of being able to get up and spend time with you and get to know you and find out more and more and more of who you are and what you're like. And as we do, Father, we are, we, we are just amazed at, uh, at your greatness. We're amazed at your kindness. We're amazed at your grace. So, Father, help us to really do that. Help us to put that into practice. Father, help us to give our lives to the very thing that you've created us and called us to do, which is helping other men and women come to know you and learn to grow up in you and reproduce that in the lives of others. And we pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.